Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. So the scripture theme um, has been foundationally found in Psalms 138, verse 8, and it says that the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. This year is the year of increase, but it's the year of increase for us through the perfecting grace of God. And there are many people who are afraid of the word perfect, and they're even afraid of the word increase because they don't know what it's going to cost them. I'd like to share from the Word of God today in these series of messages. It's called perfect timing, but we're not just talking about timing. We're not just talking about the intervals by which God mocks our eternity in months and days or our past, our present, and our future. That's timing, but more than that, it's perfect timing, meaning an accuracy of being in the right place at the right time to receive the right word and to do the right thing for God. I don't believe in happenstance. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in serendipity. I don't believe that it was just a fluke. I believe that my steps are ordered by God. Do I have any witnesses? I believe that every step that I take, God knew it before I took it. Even if it was a step in the wrong direction, God knew it. And because God orders our steps and we choose to go our own way, oftentimes we find ourselves out of time, mocking time, trying to catch up with time or time chasing us down. And how long do we suffer from that level of ignorance or do we decide to wake up? Look at somebody say, it's time to wake up. Do we wake up and we begin to embrace these concepts and ideas that God wants to perfect us? If the scripture says he will perfect that which concerns us, I want to have perfection in every area of my life. So these series is covering messages such as the perfection process, the uh, perfect match. We'll talk about that today. Next week, the perfect pitch. And then the final message will be the perfected praise. I know it's not just dancing. I know it's not just shouting. But what does the perfected praise sounds like? There's scripture for it. He says that out of the mouth of babes have thou perfected praise. So that means that God will even use babies, children, the inexperienced, the naive, the novice to bring forth a perfect praise. Well, what is perfect? What is a perfected praise? The word perfect shows up in the Bible numerous times. It's not a word that is reserved just for those who've arrived. It's not a word that is an elite word just for a few people. In fact, the Bible tells us that God has demanded for us to be perfect because he's perfect. You say, well, perfect. I can't be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Well, we should strive toward perfection and understand that in some things you are perfect. In fact, you may be perfect in your marriage for the person that you married and they're perfect for you. If not, don't tell me about it. In fact, pray for perfection. Because if the match is not perfect and it's not a good match, then chances are there's going to be problems. You say, well, everybody has problems. Is there such thing as a perfect problem? It's oxymoronic to think that you've got more problems than perfection if you're a believer. If you are a believer, there should be more perfection than problems. It doesn't mean you won't have problems. It means that that problem is an opportunity for you to perfect that area in your life. Case in point, I got problems with my money. Well, if God perfects that which concerns me, he's going to perfect the money situation. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to be benevolent. And God is going to constantly load me with the benefits because he can trust me. And I have been perfected in the area of my finance. 
Now, somebody say, well, finance, that's something I've struggled with all my life. There are people who don't struggle with finance. There are people who got more money than they know what to do with. And so they start making up things to do with with their money. They'll build buildings and put their name on it. They'll send people to college. They'll pay things off. Friends of ours, friends of ours in another city was in their seven-day shut-in. They were fasting, they were praying, and they heard a knock at the door. They locked themselves in the church like we do. You don't leave the doors open. And they heard a knocking at the door. Somebody just beating the door. They went and opened the door, and man comes in and he says, hey, I'm glad you all are here tonight. I just got home on leave. I've been in the military. I've been away from my family. I've been away from home. I'm a believer and I believe in tithing and I want to sow my seed in this church. How much do you think that seed was? $20,000. You say, wow. What's the moral of the story? Shut in the church more often. (laughs) Be nice to all people in the military. No. No, the moral of the story, <laughs> the moral of the story is, and they could use it, any church, how many know any church could you anybody could use 20000 He could have kept his $20,000, but he has a covenant with God that says that he's being perfected in the process of giving. Isn't that a wild, crazy idea? If you had 20000 I don't know if you'd give it. Now, I'm doing the math. I'm no mathlete, no mathematician. I'm no mathstronaut, but I can tell you this. If his tithe was $20,000, that means that God had blessed this man with how much? $200,000. You said, sign me up for the army, right? I don't know what branch of military. Somebody said, no, it's not worth it, right? (laughs) Well, duly we serve, and we honor those who serve. We can't pay them enough. What can a man give in exchange for a soul? You can't pay somebody for rendering themselves to service. But that just simply means that there are people who are mature and perfected in certain areas. There's some people who are not tempted in areas that we are tempted in. There's some people who are more than conquerors and victorious because they've been through the battle, they fought, and they won. How many know that if you fight, you might as well win? If you don't plan on winning, don't fight. Just be overtaken. And if you got any fight in, you know that you can win through the perfection process. So what I'm trying to do is give you some synonyms and some ways to look at perfection so that you're not intimidated by that word and religious people won't bind you up and say, you're not perfect. You say, but I'm working on it. (laughs) God is working on it. In fact, be patient with me. He's not done yet. Because the Bible tells us clearly that we should in in our souls be possessed by patience. It says in in patience, possess your soul. And let patience have her perfect work that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If you're not going to have perfection, then there's no point in you having patience. And if you got patience, then patience is supposed to move you toward perfection. That's the preliminary teaching. We're going to go to Luke in just a moment. The word perfect uh, means exactly fitting the need in a certain situation for a certain purpose. It means exactly fitting the need in a certain situation for a certain purpose. And because I'm a teacher, I review a lot so that you don't miss anything. But it also is systematic that if you get these understandings, both visually and audibly in you, then you'll begin to act upon it. You'll begin to act upon the understanding that you can be exactly the right fit needed in a certain situation for a certain purpose. Meaning you're in the right place at the right time to do the right thing that God has called you to do. You see, it's an interesting thing when you start identifying what your purpose is in life and you line up according to those opportunities and you walk in that. That's what perfect timing is all about. Because today's lesson is called the perfect match. I know you think of the perfect match, you think of the exact thing fitting at the proper time to carry out a specific purpose. But let's look at what matching really is. Match is one that is like another in one or more specific qualities. A match is one that is like another 
in one or more spe- or specified qualities or suitably associated for an intended purpose. That's a match. That fits. They're opposites, but it's a match. That contrasts that, but it's a match. I remember one day I was doing a um, presentation at one of the high schools. I had an opportunity to go and talk to some kids for a career day. And I thought I was looking good that day. I went in there dressed like a consultant, you know, a training consultant. And um, one of the kids in the room raised their hand, Mr. Lachey, Mr. Lachey, what do you do for a living? And I got ready to, you know, say, they said, no, don't tell me, don't tell me you're a preacher, right? I said, why does it show? No, because you dress like one. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that don't match. <laughs> I've even had children tell me that that don't match, but that's okay because it's an expression of my creativity. So what I'm trying to say is what what might not match to you is a match for somebody else. I know wives are like, I told you that didn't match. I told you colorblind. That don't match. So it's relative. Perfect is relative. It's relative. Perfect match is relative. If that works for you, it works. So you can see somebody in something that looks atrocious and you go, you know, that's a perfect fit for you. Because atrocious may be a part of their personality. I don't know if you know any atrocious people. And they introduce them and say, hi, my name is Terrence and I'm atrocious. (laughs) But perfect is a relative term and the perfect match has to be understood even in the bigger picture. Because I'm going to take it spiritual in just a minute. In a bigger picture, when we look for things that match, we look for things oftentimes that are identically the same. And that's not the definition of matching. The Bible says for us to be like God, not to be God. Because if you were God or you thought you were, it's not a match. Because there will be no other God beside him. That's what he says. He said that and he wrote the book, right? (laughs) Now, when we have conflict in our matching, and we talked a little bit earlier today about cognitive dissonance and how when new information is entered into our paradigm and it's overwhelming to us, we have this shutdown effect. We have some residual effect to it. When we're trying to fit or trying to match in a world in which we don't belong, we disconnect somehow. Now that could work on the church side or even on the secular side. Sometimes when we don't fit in a church environment, we disconnect. We sit there and just zone out or we hit and we miss and we come and we go and we sometimes show up and sometimes we don't. But, but when we have that disconnect, there is more of a detrimental fallout then it would be for us to endure until the modification takes place. Have you ever seen a construction process and it just looked like a hole in the ground? And then you drove by and then there were steel girders or first the foundation, steel girders. And after the girders, then went up the walls and the walls and the interior and the lighting and then the finishing touches. And you go, oh, just a few weeks ago, that was just a hole in the ground. Come on, look at somebody and say, right now I'm under construction. But there's going to be a perfect finish. Yeah, you see, if we acknowledge that from the start of the year, no matter what we go through come April, May, June, July, August, I'm almost there and this year is my time to be perfected or finished in a certain area of my life. It's called goal setting. It's called objectives. It's called making a plan. Remember, the philosophy that I ascribe to is that people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. Therefore, they fail. People don't plan to fail. They simply fail to plan. What's your plan for succeeding this year? What's your plan for getting over the top of a situation that seemed to be insurmountable before? In times past, you were carrying the burden on your back. Now you should be driving it. (laughs) 
living in it. It should be tamed. It should be able to escort you to the places that you need to go, whatever the it is, which means that a problem is just simply a mass potential that has to come forth over time. It wouldn't be a problem if it didn't matter to you. It's only a problem. It only becomes an issue when it's something that you're passionate about. Keep that in mind. There has to be a passion behind it or it doesn't even matter. You can walk by a hole in the ground every single day. There can be 13 buildings sitting on that. If you're not concerned about infrastructure or community or building, you never notice it. It's not a problem. But if you see a dilapidated building or a building going down in your community, you're going to immediately say, well, let's, who, let's, who do I need to call? What, we need to check into this. And that's because you have a passion for that. It could be music. If a note is off, you go, I can see it. I can tell those people who are musical when they don't hit the note just right. You start moving and just. I wish I could say I do it on purpose, but sometimes I sing and it's not right, but it's my heart. Don't hate, celebrate. And when you get the mic, you can sing too. And that's because God is perfecting us and we need to learn how to take that pride off. We need to learn how to be humble. We need to learn how to be modified because I started talking about the modification. You see, in the process, which we talked about last week, in the process of time, things are adjusted. Things fall off or things are added on or there's shavings. You see, in order to get the perfect match, there has to be at least one, at least one, one or more specific qualities that make the fit in order for it to be a match. In order for it to be a match, there has to be one or more qualities. The patterns don't have to be the same. Yeah, you can wear stripes with polka dot if that's your thing. (laughs) Yeah, a white person can marry a black person if that's your thing. A Hispanic person can marry an African person if that's your thing. But Christian people should look to seek out other Christian people. You see, those other diversities that I mentioned to you is just God's expression of himself in the earth. But what makes us alike and what makes us the match is that we've got this one common denominator. I was talking to one of my sons about his schedule and his busyness and all these other things. I said, but I don't classify church as being a chore or a duty or a responsibility. He said, no, 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 no. It's a constant in my life. I said, wow, that's a revelation. How many of you can say that being in the house of God, not just coming to church because church is not just the building, that the things of God, that's a constant in my life. Meaning everything that I do is going to be funneled through my belief system. Everything I do is, do is going to be shaped on me understanding that God wants this for my life. And I'm in communication enough with God to know what he wants for my life. And I'm not just testing and trying things and hoping that he don't kill me while I'm out there. Because that's a misnomer too. If God was going to kill you, he'd have wiped you out a long time ago. Stop and think about it. Every breath that you have cost him something. And we say oxygen is free. No. Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross that we might be able to breathe the breaths, the, the breath that we breathe right now. So it cost God something. He loved us so much that he gave his son. So if God was trying to wipe you out, if God was mad at you and God was angry with you, if God was through with you, you wouldn't be sitting here today listening to me. Now, we might get through with each other. We might get angry with each other. We might get upset with each other and we might even fall out. We might even have these discrepancies, but you don't want to have a discrepancy with God because get this, you'd say, I want to match with God. Anybody want to match? You want to be a good match for God. When people are donating bone marrow, they donate the bone marrow in order to be a good match for cell development. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I could play one on television. 
But but I, I think that when a bone marrow donor is quote unquote matched to someone who needs the bone marrow, it just simply says they have at least one quality that will reproduce the cells necessary for them to be victorious in their battle against whatever else has entered into their bodies. And that's just the layman's term for overcoming through medical science. But God ordained that. God established that. Why is it that we are all different on the outside, but when it comes down to it, we're the same on the inside? I got blood. You got blood. I have pain. You have pain. I have sorrow. You have sorrow. I have need. You have need. But on the outside, we look different. On the outside, we're diverse in our nature. We handle things differently. We respond differently to those things that I just mentioned. And that's because I believe, this is me, I believe, and I'll give you some scripture for it in just a minute, that God is attempting or trying to allow us to be ourselves, but also be in him at the same time. That's where we match. Is this helping anybody at all? So we make statements such as, I don't know if I fit in at that church. It's it's quite possible that you may or may not fit in at that church. But it's not the only church. It's not the only church, building or congregation. Now, there should be one body of Christ, which means that my fingers are not my toes and my head is not my feet. So it's still the same body, but there are different members of the same body. So if you're looking for a match, don't look to be identical to anybody, anybody at all. In fact, you hang out with somebody long enough, you're going to start looking like them. How many have ever seen that? Ministers look like brother and sister. They've been married for so long. I think what gives it away is that guy sitting over there to your right. That that one guy right there kind of brings it together. Yeah, it brings it together. It shows a whole match there. It's a set. And so your affiliation and your association will bring on assimilation. Be careful who you match up to. Be careful of what you match up with. How do all the pieces of my life fit together? Anybody ever ask that question? It's a good time to ask that question. It's a good time to go to the box of Legos and just throw them out on the floor and say, now, how does these all fit together? How do the pieces of my life fit together? We talked about pieces earlier this morning, how there are pieces scattered. And it's time to start bringing those pieces in together. And there's some categories that you can bring the pieces under. You have a physical body. Let's get that together. Look at somebody say, get it fit. Get it together. Yeah, that's your challenge. That's your health challenge. Get it together. Get it together. Work out, walk, eat right, get some sleep, some rest. Stop taking in things in your body that's going to destroy your body. That's get it together. You have that body, but you also have a soul or a mind. You have an intellect, will, and emotions. That's your soulish nature. You got to get that together, too, because if your soul is not at rest, then you can't be at peace. You're actually living in pieces. Scattered brain, scattered mind, scattered emotions. You up one minute, down the next, across here and across there. So we get those two under control and those we spend a whole lot of time with. But our spirit being, which is the highest part of our existence, oftentimes is fragmented, too. And it's fragmented because spiritual things require spiritual attention. And if we don't give any spiritual attention to our spirit being and we think that our soulish or our flesh gratification satisfies our spirit, we find ourselves in situations that we're not equipped to handle. Is it helping somebody? We find ourselves in situations where, man, this is just more than I can take. My mind can't take this. I can't consume this in my mind. Or we get so physically tired in our body and that dissonant, that disconnect causes us to just collapse or to be fatigued or to be overwhelmed. That's why some people, and it's been getting a little bit better. I stopped preaching on it and it got better about falling asleep in church. The reason why we fall asleep in church is not because the preacher's long. The movie's long. You don't fall asleep in the movie. The crap table is long when you're sitting at the casino. I don't, I don't play crap. So, I mean... 
And that's why they call it crap. <laughs> oh, crap, right? But nobody, nobody's complaining about that. The problem is your spirit doesn't have the capacity to endure or to sift through the spiritual impartation that's taking place. It's a spiritual impartation. I don't like the music. I just, I just want to just give me the word. That means that you're soul oriented and that's fine. You're intellectually oriented, but don't despise the music. Cause how many know a meal goes better with some music? Yeah, nice lighting, nice music, just atmosphere and it smells good. What, what would you eat if you couldn't smell? None of it would matter, right? So there should be a, an ambience or a fragrance to worship. And, and what happens is that we disconnect because we don't want to spend the time developing our spiritual muscles. And our spiritual muscles are our faith, the use of the word, our love, our giving, our, our sacrifice. Those are the muscles that say you, you are a spiritual being. We don't spend time executing that and we get offended when somebody exposes our spirit being. I should have warned you that this message was going to be one of those. But how many know after, after 11 years, you know that the first few messages of the year are usually the ones that, that kind of get you right here, right, right there. And then hopefully they get you right here, right in the heart. So, so, so think about it. You get offended, you get upset because somebody has challenged your spirit. Somebody says, can you not but watch, watch but for one hour? Can you not pray? Can you not endure? Can you not be spiritually in tune to reach over and give somebody a hug or, or, or lay hands and pray for somebody? Because we all have the same power if we are a match. If we're matched up in the body of Christ, then the power that is in this preacher is the same power that's in you. If it's a match. But we get offended because our spirit man has been depleted and it's frail and we're embarrassed and we're ashamed and we cover up our spirit being. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Because they had fallen and their soul was disconnected, their spirits were naked. Who told you were naked? Well, we just assumed. Once your spirit man has been exposed, you either will submit and yield or you will begin to make assumptions. You will assume things and you'll begin to have expectations that cannot be met. And you'll ask questions such as, how does this all fit for me? It's getting deep now. You go in, you try on the shoes, and, and, and you turn your foot to the left, you turn your foot to the right, you walk in them a little bit, you walk back, you jump, you move, you slide. I remember my, my mother and father used to take us to the store, and they'd say, okay, now go walk on the hard floor. <laughs> now walk on the carpet. Now wiggle your toes to make sure the shoes were a good fit. And I never understood why they would still get them at least a size and a half too large. Why is that? Because you're going to grow into them, Right. Well, because they weren't spending that much money, the shoes probably tore up before I grew into them. Moral of the story, sometimes things in our lives are destructive because it's cheap. You didn't invest anything in it, and it's disposable. If you didn't put anything in, you don't value it. It doesn't last. And so I tore up the shoes before I could outgrow the shoes. Hmm. Now, the good shoes... I squeeze my foot in there as long as I can because they spend so much. Keep them shoes. I said, those are Buster Browns. We spent some money for those shoes. Some people are like, what's Buster Brown? Anybody remember Buster Brown shoes? <laughs> yeah. Those are hack shoes. Those hack shoes cost you some money. You keep those hack shoes. No, that'd be equivalent to your Johnson Murphy shoes or your, you know, shoes that cost something. So understand that our spirit being would be like unto our foot going into a shoe. Our spirits go into circumstances or situations or issues or we face life problems and, and sometimes it doesn't fit. God said, just hang out. You'll grow into it. If it tears up, it's because you didn't invest in anything. 
If it's destroyed, that means that it wasn't worth much to start with. But if it was something that was built over time, it takes time for quality to come through. That's why you don't come to church one time and everything's good. That's why you can't just show up, you know, at one time, give your life to the Lord, and then just go out into the world and live until you're 80. The devil will have a field day in your life because you professed out of your mouth you want to be on the Lord's side. You match with the Lord. There are certain markings, and there are certain indications or signs, if you will, of a mismatch. And this is going to help you. I'll still get the scripture. If you notice, I've been putting the scripture at the end because I'm doing foundation in these series. Signs of a mismatch... Not mix match, mismatch. You hear oftentimes people say, oh, that's mixed match. There is a such thing as mixed match, and then there is a mismatch. That it wasn't an appropriate fit to begin with. And this is going to help some of you, hopefully. Don't get no divorces. Don't run out and leave nobody just because you learned this revelation. I want you to understand this because this is serious stuff. Process it through your spirit. Somebody say, wake up, spirit. Now you tell your spirit to stay awake. All right. Uh, discord. Discord means that it doesn't sound right. Discord is a musical term. It means that it's not proper. They're not gelling together. It, it sounds strange, but discord would be the things that people, did you hear about so-and-so? Discord would be the inability to agree, no agreement. Whether by contrast or compliment, it's not working. And this is a sign of a mismatch. Another sign of a mismatch is disagreement. It does not agree. It does not agree. Now, agreement is is the byproduct or the fruit of understanding. In fact, you don't always have to agree, but if you understand, ultimately, you'll get to an agreement, meaning that I agree that I don't agree, you understand. And that's maturity. So disagreement is a sign of a mismatch. Dissension is another one. Now, the difference between dissension and ascension, dissension And ascension is that things aren't as elevated as you think they are when there's a mismatch. And it goes down to the very basics. Dissension would be the reduction in value over time. You know how you can go and see a shirt that's a lot of money. You go back and it's a little less. You go back, it's a little less. And you go back, it's a little less. And you're thinking in your mind, Well, how much was it worth to begin with? Relationships are that way. And this is to help somebody to learn where there is a mismatch, dissension over time. The other thing would be disrespect. And that's probably the ultimate because that's all we live for is respect. Pretty much we live for respect. And when we don't have respect in our lives, we remove ourselves. We don't tolerate when we're not celebrated. We know that for sure. That's why people stop coming. That's why people stop giving because they don't get celebration. You say, well, I don't need all of that. That's not true. You just don't need it right now. (laughs) You just don't need it at this moment. But at some point, you're like, whoa, hello. And when people are disrespected, anything you disrespect, you will leave or it will leave you. Anything that you disrespect. If you disrespect time, you'll never be able to keep up with time. If you disrespect money, you'll never be able to keep up with money because you disrespected it. If you disrespect space, you'll find yourself always in a vagabond situation going from place to place to place and no place of your own because you disrespect the place that you're in. You say, well, it's not mine. Well, treat it as if it were yours. And if you would disrespect your own, then that explains why you have none. So when we see these signs of a mismatch, what do we do? 
How do we deal with it? I want to go to the passage of scripture. Anybody got it? Luke 5. Let's go there. It says, and he spake also a parable unto them. No man puts a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent or a tear. And the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. Hmm. Now, we probably need another translation of that for you to get a full understanding. I want you to read that. What do you have? NIV, can you stand? New garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. It will not match the old. You say, what does that have to do with everything? What does that have to do with my life? You see, we say, if any man be in Christ, he is a, and old things are, and all things have become scripture that we say, right? We say, walk in the newness of life, because in Christ we're made new, am I right? We state these statements about being made new, and we want to be new. In fact, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Where I think our disconnect comes in as believers, besides our spiritual war, is that we have a renewal. Here's an American Standard Version. We have a renewal process that's taking place, but we keep trying to match it up to the old substance. We keep trying to deal with new spiritual revelations in old soulish situations. We keep trying to get this spiritual word fest that we got going to work on our behalf, but we keep taking it back in natural and carnal environments. It says in the uh, American Standard Version, and he spake also a parable unto them, no man rendeth a piece from a new garment and putteth it upon an old garment, else he will rend the new, and also the piece from the new will not agree with the old. Disagreement. Some of us are at war with ourselves. Because we confess that we're new creatures. We stop drinking. We stop smoking. We stop lying. We stop cheating. We stop doing those things. But we didn't tell our flesh. And so our flesh reminds us, you owe me. It's been a long time since you've done that. And so temptation comes. Temptation doesn't need an invitation. Temptation doesn't have to be invited. I mean, sometimes people will invite temptation. Clothes they wear, things they do, places they go. If I'm a former alcoholic and I go to the bar, I'm inviting temptation. Plain and simple. Am I right? If I'm a former smoker and I've given it up because it's killing me and I want to live. Look at somebody say, I want to live. You don't, you do want to live, don't you? Right? Okay. So I'm not going to go out on smoke break with everybody else and go, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Until eventually it begins to tempt me because I've invited it, but you don't even have to invite it. Sometimes it'll just show up. But I take joy in being able to quote a scripture that I learned very early in my salvation, that there is no temptation that has taken you, but that such is common to man. And with the same temptation, God will always make a way of escape and deliver you in it. Now you say, deliver me in it. You can go back and read that in various translations as well. What happens is that we face temptations, but it's not anything that is uncommon. There's nothing new. What happened is that we became new. The only thing new is us. We're being made new. And so the new attached to the old creates a tear. The integrity of the fabric is questionable. Now, new works with new and old works with old. But if you put new with old, it's not going to work. I told you it's going to get deep in just a minute. I warned you, didn't I? 
that we've got to make some decisions on whether or not we're going to take the old person from 2013 into 2014 talking about new and increase and more and God and bless and hallelujah and thank you Jesus because your body is not going to allow it and your soul is not going to permit it and your spirit becomes so frail and malnourished that eventually it dies and you find yourself on the altar again saying Lord do it for me one more time I'm not despising that in fact if you need that get that do that. That's one thing about this house. If you need it, you can get it right up here. Always. But what we have to consider is that if we put the new with the old or we embrace the old and try to grab some new, you're going to create a less than integritous fabric and it's not going to be trustworthy. And how many have ever seen somebody exposed and they didn't know they were exposed? They felt a draft, but they had no idea that it was all hanging out. Have you ever felt a spiritual draft? You're like, what is this wind coming my way? And it could be that you have exposure that you didn't know you had because some old got mixed. Somebody say, please preach this message to me because I need to hear it. I need to understand why I keep going back to the same pattern and it's not working because I love God. I believe God. I trust God. I'm worshiping God. I give to God. I serve God. But the devil just keeps on riding me. In fact, I'm going to heaven, but I got a hell right here on earth. Do I have any witnesses in this room? It's not limited to age. It's not limited to gender. It's not limited to economic social status. It's not limited to your educational level. It's not limited to how good you look or how good you think you look. All of us are encumbered about with the challenges of this world. But we are not entangled with the world anymore because we're not sewn together with that. Which means that if any man really is in Christ, he's a new creature. And old things are passed away. They're not attached. I know we say in addition to, we're not talking about your old life and your new life. We're not talking about a little dipping, a little tripping, a little slipping, and some victory in Jesus too. Either you're going to turn and walk toward the things of God and away from the world, or you're going to walk toward the world and away from God, and that's plain and simple. You say, well, can I just get in the middle? Can I just stand right here? Look at somebody say, lukewarm. Some Bible scholars got, you went there, right? He'll spit you out. You say, well, that's scary. I mean, God loves everybody, right? Well, he's not into lukewarm. Either we're fervently on fire for God or we're going to serve the enemy. You see, but I'm struggling. I'm trying. And that's where the perfection process comes in. So let me close with this thought. If it's to be a perfect match, if God is going to match me up, he's got to first show me what it is that he wants me to do. And I've got to be willing to see it. I've got to be willing to open up my eyes and know that God is for me. But get this, and this is the slide that I need you to advance to. It's the slide that, says God never forces a situation. He's not going to make you do anything. He invites us and he gives us the opportunity, but he will not force us. And because God is not a forcible God, he gives us choices. And he'll even allow you to package, repackage, and redecorate as many times as you like, but the bottom line is the bottom line. We need God and he's there for us. In addition to understanding that God will not force a situation, please know that what is for you is for you. So you don't have to force the mat. Don't force the match. Don't force it because what's for you is for you. Ooh, she got my, now no, she doesn't have what belongs to you. Because God is not short concerning his promises. Oh, he took my, no, no, what, what's for you is for you and what's for them is for them. God is no respect to persons. 
You say, uh-huh, the Bible says he'll take it from you and give it to somebody else. Ah, different story, different situation. What's for you is for you. And if somebody can take it, it wasn't yours in the first place. I just saved a marriage. Or I kept somebody from getting a broken heart. Because if you go back and review what constitutes a mixed match, mismatch, you saw that before you said I do. You knew it was there before you went in. You just kept closing your eyes, go, it'll go away, it'll go away, it'll go away. Or I hope, I hope you was like, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You can click your heels 10 times. You will not be back in Kansas anymore after you've crossed a certain threshold. Matching is a process, or the matching process is pre-established by God. The Bible tells us that before we were formed, he knew us, and we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. So what he's attempting to do is to show us the utility of his labor. He's showing us that he's making us. Why did I have to go through that? Because I was making you, saith the Lord. Why did I have to experience that so that you can overcome that? So that you can endure that and you can bring somebody else through that. Now, you don't go and find situations. Yeah, I need to go kill somebody so that I'll know what it's like to be a murderer forgiven. That's not what I mean by pre-established. That's just psychopathic. Pre-established is that there is situations that have already been ordained and orchestrated. And as you walk in them and you go, oh, this is too much. God's like, it's not too much. I made you for this. Nobody else could handle it. You see, somebody would have died with what you lived with. Somebody would have lost their mind over things that you thought was just a bad day. There's some people who would have threw in the towel over things that you took and made a towel industry out of. And that's because you were made for this. Why don't you say this? I was made for this. And I am an overcomer. Last slide. God matches passion with purpose in order to create destiny. So this is how you match it. I look for my passion. I find my passion and I look for the purpose or utility in that passion. And then that's how my destiny begins. People think destiny starts because a preacher says, this is your day of destiny. Now, you had a day of destiny when you were placed on this planet. God had already started the clicker on your destiny when he put you here. But what we have the challenge of doing is understanding what our purpose is. It's the why, but you can't understand the why without understanding the what. The passion is the what, and the purpose is the why. I just have a love for people. There's a passion I have for people. That's just an example. I don't know that I'm there yet. God has perfected me in that. I love what I do with people. But God is working on me about the people thing. There might be somebody else that just, I mean, I love people to an extent. And then after a while, I'm like, okay, no people, just me and God. I love books. Boy, do I love books. (laughs) But don't you want to hang out with some people? Do they have books? (laughs) So what is your passion? What is your passion? And when you identify your passion, God will make provisions to get you to have a purpose in that passion And that purpose and passion with provision equals destiny. Purpose plus passion and provision equals destiny. And so many people get lost on the road to destiny because they forgot that God was trying to match them up with their passion. Trying to match them up. Kept trying to match them up. I'll talk about next week how when those passions are perverted, how we get completely off course and things begin to change. Our pitch changes. We don't have perfect pitch. The pitch changes when our passions are perverted. Many other plans, it's a scripture. Many other plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We have our own plans. Remember this, perfection is the goal. 
So don't quit. Many are the plans in our hearts, but it's God's plan that will prevail. I want to challenge you with this thought. If perfect timing will bring about the perfect match through a perfect process or perfection process, what role do I play in this? What do I have to do in order to get this blessing that this preacher is talking about concerning the perfect match in my life? I'm not talking about a person because people change. Circumstances change. Life changes. (laughs) You know how people used to testify and say, places I used to go, I don't go no more because they don't exist anymore. (laughs) Things I used to do, I don't do anymore because you can't. I don't, <laughs> I looked at my hands and they look new. He said, yeah, because you're getting older. Looked at my feet and they did too. They're getting bigger. Think for a moment about how change is not something we can contain. It's something that we need to learn how to live with. We need to learn how to live with it. But if change could be anything, I'd rather it to be my friend and not my foe. Because change is the catalyst by which this process of me being perfected takes place. I can be perfected through change. So you're meaning to tell me that in order for me to get something I never had, I got to do something I've never done? Look at somebody and go, duh. In order for me to see things that I've never seen, I have to have an expectation and go to the proper lookout point to see something that I've never seen. Look at somebody and go, duh. In order for me to acquire and appreciate something that I've never possessed before, I've got to learn how to appreciate the things that I already have and the things that I already possess. Look at somebody one more time and go, duh. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nation's Church is to reach the diverse people of the world by teaching biblical principles and life application of the Scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.